Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Just to tell you a little bit of my story, I suppose, I was born in Shropshire, that's Middle England, the largest inland county for all those geographers, um, not too far from here, about an hour and a half in the car, lovely rural upbringing, there's more sh- sheep in Shropshire than there are human beings, uh, it's uh, pretty idyllic, I grew up very close to the River Severn, where I was free from a very early age, I was walking to school by myself by the age of six, uh, uh, I was uh, fishing along the River Severn from, uh, from really, really young. I was just given the time to get home. If I could read a clock, that was fine. I'd be able to get home for, say, six, six o'clock for your tea. But I could pretty much go wherever I wanted. I would be free to go on my bike um, anywhere, really. They never asked to the point where I would see how far I could get and then get home in time for tea. I just had the freedom to go where I wanted. My best mate lived about eight miles away on a farm. We would just play in like haystacks and all sorts. Imagine the idyllic lifestyle. Brilliant. The only thing I was fearful of was dogs. That, that's a different matter altogether. We'll get to dogs one day. But um, really beautiful upbringing. And then my mum and dad, when I got to the age of 12, decided they were going to move us to Manchester. My dad got a new job. That wasn't good. They moved us to a part of Manchester that's okay, but we were right on the edge of a, a council estate. Not a particularly rough one, but coming from rural England, suddenly into the big city, to the edge of this council estate, not good news. And then they put me in a school, uh, and my parents, interesting, you know, they, they thought, how do, we, how do we make sure Sam thrives in school? We'll put Sam in a school with the most, um, you know, like, with the most grass, the biggest school fields they could find. The local school was called uh, Duckinfield Astley High School, known locally in the press as Druggy High. And uh, grass of a different sort in that school, it's worth saying. And so, uh, so they, to, to get to, to Ducky High, I lived in the part of Hyde. I had to cross this wasteland, which when you first moved into a neighbourhood, I was told, stay off the wasteland, because that is where two neighbouring neighbourhoods go to fight. That is where they go to, like, end each other. And there were stories when I first moved in of of, uh, wooden blocks with nails beaten through that were used as clubs to, like, end the guys from Ducky. And Ducky lads would come over and try and end the guys from Hyde. So I had to go across this wasteland to get to Druggy High. Now, when you turn up from Shropshire with a slightly funny accent, I've lost it now, that's why I sound like a mank. But um, when you, when you, you lose it really as quickly as you possibly can, right? So I turn up, I'm in the middle of year eight, I've got my brand new uniform on, I've got a tie that's got no bullet holes in it, you know, I look really neatly pressed, my dad's neatly ironed my jeans with a crease that's down the centre, you know those ones, brand new shoes, I became an instant target, an instant target, and if you've seen the film Forrest Gump, I became like Forrest Gump, I ran everywhere, I was like... I was always running, and, um, and so I ran to school, ran home from school. The worst thing was my sister, two years older, my mum considered her more vulnerable, and so I'd have to, and she was a geek, so I had to go and, she'd, <laughs> she'd stay late at school, which meant that I had to go and pick her up from school. 
like me, two years younger, had to go and pick my sister because she wants to stay for extra lessons. So I'd have to run, get her, and then convince her to run for our lives to get her home. And there was one particular day when I was chased by some ducky men, well, one ducky man, uh, on, a, uh, on a quad bike. He chased me across the field on his quad bike, wielding a stick. Chased me right across. Now, when you've been a regular runner, oh, by the way, I was running as a school champion for cross country. I was pretty handy on my legs. I, I ran, but you also know the best ways to go to get to safety. So you know which bits to run through, which garden you can jump over, down all the snickets, all the alleys, all the ginnels, wherever it might be. When I had the fastest possible way home. And I found myself, I got home safety after being chased by this man. And I made a pledge to myself that I would do all I could never to live in an area like that ever again. And that I would, um, uh, I would live a very comfortable life. I'd get a good education, get a good job, return to Shropshire, live alongside the River Severn, and live happily ever after. And then that didn't really work out like that. Because let me tell you, when I went to college, I met this guy who uh, sat next to me in business studies. And he'd been on like a gap year. Didn't even know you could do a gap year before college. <laughs> But my mate Chris had uh, been to a gap year to, to Canada and um, he'd really encountered God and it had done a few things to him. It had changed his accent to Canadian, and, <laughs> but it also made him deeply passionate for God. And so he used to meet me in the corridors and he, he was about six foot four. He used to embrace me, big lad, you know, always give me a cuddle, which I thought was not good for screen career at all when people want to hold you. And, um, <laughs> but he was always convincing me, come to the CU, come to the CU. I went to the CU and, uh, and it was great to be amongst other Christians. But the most important thing was that he used to be, invite me to his house to study the Bible. That sounds completely unappealing, I'll be honest with you. At that point, really, that wasn't what I wanted to do. But we began to meet at his house uh, once a week, we'd meet in the conservatory of his mum and dad's home. And it's there, as we began to open the scriptures, that I was filled with the Holy Spirit in a way that I can't really explain. Nothing wild happened, but my heart began to burn within my chest. There's this passage of scripture in John's Gospel where Jesus meets some of his disciples on the road called Emmaus. And uh, they say later, when they realized it was Jesus who they were walking with, he says, didn't our hearts burn within us? My heart began to burn like inside of me, really like hot sensation, like, gosh, what is going on? And my life really was turned on its head. And I'll come back to that in a moment. And it's from that point on, I suppose, that the, the spirit began to lead me. And it's that that we're looking at this morning. What does it look like to be led by the Holy Spirit? We're looking at our series again in Romans chapter 8. They've given me one whole verse to look at today. Romans chapter 8, verses 14, and it says this. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Let me just say this. The emphasis of this verse is that those who are led by the Spirit have a new identity, an identity that is primarily as sons of God. Now, I would love to unpack that with you, but that's going to happen next week because I've seen the preaching schedule and it's all about our identity in 
the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit does to join us in with the family of God. So as much as I'd love to get into adoption, because I've got some stories about that, as much as I'd love to get into us being part of the family of God, really, I've got to focus on the very first section. It's for all those who are led by the Spirit of God. What does it look like to be people who are led by the Spirit of God? So I'm going to look at four questions this morning. Question number one, where is the Spirit leading us? Number two, why do we need leading? Number three, how are we being led? And number four, what's the point? What's the point of being led by the Spirit? Question number one, where is the Spirit leading us? If you're going to be led somewhere, it's really important to have some idea what the direction of travel is, where you're headed. A few years ago, a local vicar invited me to go on a long walk with him. He didn't quite tell me how long it was. Well, he kind of did. He said, let's get a train to Lancaster and walk home. That sounds fun. And so, uh, so we, got a, we got a train to Lancaster, and, uh, and he said, it's going to take two days. I've booked a campsite halfway. So we're going to have to keep walking until we get to the campsite. And so I turned up, I'm not going to lie, with my pat lunch and a spare pair of pants. He turned up with all the gear. Like he had this massive rucksack on, had a tent in there, cooking equipment, stove the full Monty. I was like... Surely this is like a picnic day out, that'll be fine. And so we began to walk. Now, he's a vicar, so I trusted him. And uh, he was very, very confident in his map reading ability. You'll have a map there, Kirby, if you keep pressing. You'll see the kind of map we were working on. Uh, I think it was a Google map. And, um, and so he gets his... We get out of the train station and he just says, let's get walking. And I think he literally drew a straight line. So we didn't stick to the path. We didn't walk down country lanes. We just went direct. So we were going across fields, across bogs, over hills. And I'm going to tell you, it was one of the most difficult, miserable days of my life. I think by 10 a.m. in the morning, I'd refuse to talk to him. I was just like... Let's just walk. You just get us there. And I'm trusting him. And it was not good. Like, at one point, I think he did say, I'm not sure if this is the, is the right way. And I'm like, wow, it took you this long to work out. It, we walked so long that we got to the campsite. The campsite was shut. Uh, there was no one there, no number to ring. We couldn't put a tent up. I just said, I'm calling my wife. And so Nikki came to get me. And... Um, and I slept in my own bed there, and then we never spoke ever again. <laughs> uh, that bit was a lie. We, we, we remain friends to this day. But it was an awkward walk. You want to know where you're going. You want to know where you're leaving from and where you're going to. So one of the most famous Psalms, Psalms 23, tells us that we are led on paths of righteousness for his namesake. We are led, when we're led by the Spirit, we're led on a path of righteousness, a right path that will lead us in a good direction. And so we are taken from the place of, let's have a look, first of all, the place of death. Anyone got death? We're led from death. What, would we, what might we be led to, boys? Anyone got an idea? Let's go with that, Caleb. Life. This could get interesting. So we're led on a path of righteousness by the Holy Spirit from the place of death to the place of life. Next, we're led from the place of darkness or dark darkness there you go what might that be too 
Light. Brilliant, lad. So far, so good. Okay, let's step it up then. Again, a path of righteousness from death to life, from darkness to light. This is the stuff that Paul talks about. From sin. Sin, let's go. This could be tricky. No. Yes. Holiness. Well done, Caleb. Three from three. Here we go. From sin to holiness. Uh, Then those who are led by the Spirit are taken from being children of Adam, a child of Adam, to a child of God. Well done, Caleb. Brilliant. Those who are led by the Spirit are led from being slaves to servants. Wonderful. Those who are led by the Spirit are led from being under the law. Yes. Yes, under the law. Julie, yes, yes, to freedom. Good lad. Those who are led by the Spirit are taken from falsehood. Yes, to falsehood to truth. Okay. Those who are led by the Spirit are led from being orphans. Yes, I'll take that one again. Sons is the one I'm looking for. And that's where this passage says, those who are led by the Spirit are led from the place of death, darkness, orphanship, to the place of light, to the place of life, to the place of being included in God's family. This is the pathway of righteousness. This is the direction of travel that the Holy Spirit wants us. You can sit back down, boys. Thank you. Give them a round of applause. Wonderful. The next question would be, why do we need leading? Like, surely that's obvious. We want to go from here to there. No one wants to be in the place of darkness and death. Surely it's dead obvious. Surely it's straightforward. But actually, the truth is that the journey isn't easy. The journey is filled with obstacles. Now, I'm going to try and create some obstacles uh, along the path. Maybe I could use this. Uh, the, The pathway... It would be brilliant, that's really daft to put it right in front of there. It'd be brilliant if it was straightforward. It'd be brilliant if we just knew exactly the way to go and it was always going to be straightforward and easy. Have you got a picture? Sometimes it'd be ideal if it was like this, a straight line, you see the end, let's go. But let's be honest, the path of God, the, the highway of righteousness is a lot more turbulent. It's all over the show, filled with obstacles. And so it's really important that we are having someone alongside us that can help us Luke chapter 3 verse uh, 21 anyone got that one this is one of my favorite passages in all the bible this is the moment where Jesus get baptized and what happens is as he goes into the water something remarkable happens the sky begins to open I don't know what that would have looked like it could be that it's like a Simpsons moment the Simpsons and the, and the clouds move Or it could be, as the Greek says, the sky gets unzipped. It's torn apart. And what happens there is that the Holy Spirit, one of the Trinity, descends in the form of a dove and begins to rest upon Jesus. And at that point, we hear the audible voice of the Father saying, You are my Son, whom I love in whom I'm well pleased. It's amazing. It's powerful. It's wonderful. It's an incredible thing. But what happens next suddenly shocks us. Who's got Luke chapter 4, 1 to 2? Brilliant. So this is Jesus. He's had his most amazing moment. He's had his baptism. The Holy Spirit has descended upon him. And then what happens? He begins to be led by the Spirit. 
Now you're thinking Jesus, the perfect one, the one who's got it all sorted, the one who doesn't need to walk the path of righteousness, but yet look where the Holy Spirit leads him. He's led out into the wilderness. That's a barren and dry and desolate place. And he's led there and he's tempted then by the devil for 40 days. That's not very fun. You don't do that on your holiday. No one's picked that as far as I know. 40 days in the desert alongside the devil. That's not good. And then we've got probably one of the best verses in the Bible. He ate nothing during those days and he was hungry. <laughs> Da-da, really needed to be said. Uh, he gets hungry. Imagine being starving hungry 40 days and being tempted, your head pecked by the devil over and over again. The journey is hard. The journey is rocky. Jesus is tempted. Jesus gets hungry. And there's far worse to come on Jesus's walk. When I got baptized, I was convinced I was going to be perfect from that moment on. That going down in the water and back out, that I would never, ever sin again. I remember being hugely disappointed about six hours later when I fell into sin again. I was like, no, I thought this was where it all gets sorted. Being filled with the Spirit, it's worth saying, and being led by the Spirit doesn't mean you're going to get an easy life. It's not a simple life. It's not effortless. Being filled with the Spirit doesn't mean comfort. It isn't a jolly, it's not a holiday. You are not guaranteed good health. You are not guaranteed plenty of wealth. Don't get me wrong, there are some incredible things that come as we're led by the Spirit. Paul goes on in Galatians to talk about love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness, gentleness, self-control. Wonderful things are experienced that begin to transform our character, but... That alongside that is the difficult road full of obstacles, full of pain, full of difficulty and hardship. But we are promised God with us. Jesus describes God, the Holy Spirit, as our helper. There is a, not a better name for the Holy Spirit than helper. That he's going to help us on the journey, the difficult journey of life. Question three how does he lead us it's not like the holy spirit stands at one end of the journey and begins to shout at the top of his voice he doesn't demand that we do certain things he doesn't shout commands now jump now run now dodge now weave it's not how the holy spirit works He's not far off, yelling at us, trying to navigate the journey. He doesn't drag us violently against our will. The Holy Spirit draws us irresistibly. He walks with us. The Holy Spirit acts as a guide. The word here to describe the Holy Spirit is parakletos. Sounds like parakeets. I understand that. But it means the comforter who walks alongside us the comforter, the helper who walks alongside us. We are promised a helper. We're promised by Jesus to have someone who will walk alongside us. The theologian um, Matthew Poole says this, to be led by the Spirit means to walk after the Spirit like those who are guided and directed as a blind man. I love that. 
those who walk with the Spirit are drawn, walk after the Spirit as if we're almost blind, unable to navigate the way ourselves. So let's try that. So if we're walking on this path of righteousness, leaving the place of falsehood, of death, it's almost like Matthew Paul says, we are like a blind man (laughs) who suddenly miraculously can see. But when we walk with the Spirit, when we're led with the Spirit, it's not like he shouts from that end telling us how to navigate the obstacles that are in the way. But we are led, we're guided, almost like a blind man. The Holy Spirit walks with us to navigate the obstacles this way. He draws us on this way. Keep going. You can do it. You've got what it takes. Keep on going. He doesn't abandon us. We walk alongside. Well done. Let's give Caleb a round of applause. He is with us. He is for us. Um, We are led and drawn, but it takes something different from us, doesn't it? It took Caleb there to trust that I wasn't going to walk him into the chair, that I wasn't going to smash him into the sign. It took trust and obedience and humility. And he had to place his confidence in me. And this is what the Holy Spirit needs. When we welcome the Holy Spirit, when we wait on the Holy Spirit, we are opening our lives up to him. We're saying, come and work within us. Come and lead us. But we're asking him to draw us, draw us on paths of righteousness towards, ultimately, towards Christ-likeness, to be like Jesus. That was the image of Christ over there. And the Holy Spirit wants to draw us after him. Fourth point, what is the point of him leading us? This section on Romans finishes with a well-known passage. Who's got uh, verse 28 of Romans 8? We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. We are being led by the Holy Spirit for our good and for God's glory. Now, people take that verse and they apply it to themselves in the wrong kind of way. They say, God's working all things for good, so life's going to be cool. Life's going to be easy. Life's going to be comfortable. That's not what it's saying. It's saying life in the Spirit has great benefits to us. Those benefits are what we've talked about, of light and life and holiness and being included in God's family and freedom and living in truth. Those are great things. But those things have great purpose to bring God glory, not to bring us more glory, not to place us at the center. Actually, this is man-centered stuff. Over there is Christ-centered stuff. And the Holy Spirit is drawing us through all the objects to be more like Christ. Why? So that we can begin to bring God glory. We bring God glory, most glory, when we live for him. When our lives are turned outward towards him and his kingdom. Come here, mate. Come and read. You've got a big chunk of scripture. So use it. Oh, I've not even using the microphone. Sorry. Here we go. Caleb's going to re- read this out for us. You can use the stand if you want. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in the synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up on the Sabbath day. He went into the synagogue as he was custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. On rolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up to the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Amazing. So there's Jesus. Brilliant. Well done, Caleb. Wonderful. And dabbing to go. That's how you do it. So there's Jesus. We heard about him. He gets baptized. Wonderful moment. The Holy Spirit descends on him. He's filled with the Spirit. He's led by the Spirit to the place of difficulty and hardship. And then the Filled with the Spirit again, the Spirit leads him out of the desert and to the synagogue, which was his custom. And when he gets to the synagogue, something amazing happens. I don't know what happened. Maybe he walks in like some of our youth did today and was given something to read. And I wonder if someone said, hey, fella, fancy reading from the Word. And so he gets up to the front. He opens a scroll that we know as the scroll of Isaiah or or the book of Isaiah. He undoes it and it opens nicely to Isaiah 61. Wasn't called that back in the day, just called Isaiah. Anyway, somewhere near the end. And so he begins to read. And what does he say? The spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and the recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. See what the purpose of the spirit was? The purpose of the Spirit was to walk with Jesus, to continue to lead him and guide him. But now he stands in the power of the Spirit and he says, I've got a purpose. The Spirit is on me for a reason. The Spirit is on me so that I can go to the poor, so I can go to the prisoner, so I can go to the blind, I can go to the oppressed, I can be a bringer of good news, I can be a proclaimer of freedom, I can be a bringer of healing, and I can be a bringer of release. See, there's great purpose in being filled with the Spirit. It's not so we can have an experience of God's Holy Spirit. It's not so that we can feel warm and fuzzy. It's not so we can shake or shiver. It's so that we are led about the purposes of God. It's always going to be that God fills us with himself so that we are drawn after Jesus, drawn with, uh, towards uh, the kingdom of God. The Spirit leads us for our good and God's glory. God is glorified when we live for him, lives as he wants us to. And that means we get all the promises of life, but we get to be on his mission. We get to join the mission of God. And that's what happened to me in that moment in the, in the conservatory of my mate's house. As I began to be filled with the spirit, all my fears about my community, all the fears I had about being chased, I felt like God began to lead me. In that moment, he gave me a passion for the poor that I've never been able to shake off. He gave me a passion for the lost that I've never been able to shake off. He began to say things like, those people that you ran from, you're going to return to. I was like, no, thank you. But God's Holy Spirit continues to encourage and lead me. It's, It's his Holy Spirit that's led me to make big decisions in my life about where I live and who I spend my time with. The Holy Spirit is given to those on a journey. And I suppose that's the, the challenge and the question for you today. Do you see yourself on a journey from death and darkness on the journey towards light and life? Maybe you're happy with that journey because you don't want to stay in the place of darkness. You want to be in the place of light. You don't want to stay in the place of death. You want to be in the place 
of living. Are you on the move? Are you keeping moving? Do you realize that God wants to send his helper alongside you? Jesus said, it's for your benefit that I go away. Jesus was on earth like us in our flesh, but he left for heaven saying it's better that I go because I'm going to give you another. That word another is interesting. It means exactly the same. He says, I'm going to give you something exactly the same as me, but better. The Holy Spirit is better because he's with each one of us. Jesus could only walk with a few at one time. The Holy Spirit can walk with each of us, leading and guiding us. But the Spirit is with those who are on a journey with God. Are you on the move this morning? Are you standing still or are you keeping going? Are you going for him and are you going with him? Are you about his kingdom business? Matthew 28. Those are the last words of Jesus in the book of Matthew. And he says to his disciples, those who follow him, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. And he says, surely I'll be with you. How is he with us? He's with us always by his Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is given to those who go on the mission of God. It's therefore not given to the comfortable, not given to the lazy the apath- or the apathetic. It's given to those who will go for God. Given for those on a move. Given to the faithful, to the obedient. The promise, I am with you, is given to those who go on the business of God. That's the question for you this morning. Are you on business with God? Are you doing his work? Are you moving as he would intend from life, from death to life, but from a place of of no mission on the mission of God? Are you on the move? Will you follow him? Our journey transforms us and makes us more like Jesus. Why? So we can bring others to know Jesus too.